Well, I'm preaching today, as you've heard. So, from that, I was a bit crook this week, a lot of coughing, and my throat's still a bit funny. And I promised myself that, you know, I wouldn't sing too loud this morning because that would strain my voice, make me cough. That didn't work. Just reminded me of when I was playing footy and I went to training one year and uh, my hamstring was a bit dodgy, pulled it first training. So I was training the next one and I'm like, okay, whatever we do today, I'm not going to do full on. I'm just going to sit back, relax. So, of course, exercise comes up. You know, when they give you the ball, you hit it as hard as you can and run. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Couldn't help it. Bang, blew out my other hamstring. <laughs> and I'm hoping today that I haven't blown out my voice for preaching. If I uh, have a coughing fit, Matt will come up and finish the sermon. He's, he's all over it, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, maybe God will just make me shut up. Who knows? <laughs> oh, dear. What would you think is one of the best compliments that God could give you? I was wondering about that this week as I was uh, reading through, through what I was going to talk about today, which is us having integrity as people. Integrity. Big word, and um, Becca Mills was talking about in her communion a few weeks ago how a building, when they built it their house, she said, you know, all the structure has to span the perfect width, otherwise it'll fall down. If it's too long, it won't fit in. If it's too short, it's going to collapse. Everything has to be just right. But buildings are made and they have the thing called structural integrity. And, and we've seen on the news, you know, a few times I've seen where in a place where they're built with dodgy material, the bridge collapses or the stand collapses and people die. And, you know, it's just built poorly. That... And what they talk about in that is this thing called structural integrity. What is the makeup of that thing? You know, you might have the steel, and it might even be the right length, but it's made poorly, so it's really, really weak. So when weight's put upon it, it collapses. And sometimes that's what it can be like in life for us, right? As people, you know, we, we just collapse because we haven't taken time to really build who we are, what we stand for, um, I think there's one of the sayings that I've heard is, you know, you, you say what you believe, you believe what you say. But for us as Christians, it's like we can say a whole lot of stuff, but are we acting it out? Jesus talked about it in, in a parable of two guys who built houses. One was on the sand, one was on the rock. And when the storm came, the house on the sand just went bang, fell flat. And sometimes in life, that's what it's like. For us, we fall flat. The reason is this, and I'll give it to you very plainly and simply, as Jesus said, if you hear my word and don't do it, you're like that person who built the house on the sand. It's that simple. You know, you know we think, you know, well, we're great, we're great Christians, we hear the word of God, maybe even you know the word of God back to front, you're, you're great at quoting scriptures or the, you know, the, the doctrines of the church or whatever it might be, and you're, you're very adamant about that. And this is the way it should be, and yet you don't do the Word of God. You know it all, but you don't do it all. That's all you are, I know it all. Who likes know-it-alls? <laughs> no one, right? We get sick of hearing them, because, because we hear them talk and talk and talk, but really underneath it all, there's no substance to them. There's no building of their life, their soul, what, what they're meant to be. 
And I wanted to talk about that today in terms of us making a decision that I'm going to be a person of integrity. And I don't mean that, you know, it's just in making right choices, that obviously is it, but integrity is not pretending to be someone you're not. You know, there's a man in the Bible that uh, Jesus gave, the, gave a um, message about and, you know, he looked at two people actually. One was a Pharisee and he was in the temple before God and you know, saying, God, I just thank you so much for all you've done. I'm this amazing guy. I tithe. I, you know, I do all the right things and, you know, you cry out to God, basically, you're so lucky to have me on your side. And there was another man who, who stood in the temple, wailed and, and was absolutely distraught at the nature of his heart and is like, God, I'm such a sinner. What would you have to do with me yet? Can you forgive me? And Jesus went on to say, you know, those two people came to the temple, but only one of them went away justified. Now, we would like to think sometimes in our own heart, the one who went away justified was the one who was the good guy. You know, did everything that God said, everything God wanted, and, you know, was this example of, of knowing about God. But Jesus said it was the guy, the tax collector, who was crying out to, to God at the state of his heart. It's like this mask wasn't on him. He knew what was going on in his life and he knew it needed to change. That guy actually had integrity, although we might look on the outside and think, well, that person's got integrity. The one who was prepared to examine and pour out the state of his heart towards God was the one Jesus said went away justified. It's crazy, isn't it? Because we do have this... this temptation in life to present ourselves differently to who we are and when I was thinking about the compliments I was thinking about the story of um, when Jesus called the disciples so I, I read through it and um, there's John the Baptist was preaching and he saw Jesus and he said hey look this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and then a, two of the disciples started to follow Jesus now John the Baptist was probably right go for it in fact, he was such a humble man, he said, my ministry must decrease, but Jesus's must increase. Anyway, they went and followed Jesus, but one of them um, was, was uh, Philip, one of them was John, they think, that followed. So they started to follow Jesus. A guy called Andrew brought someone else called Nathaniel to see Jesus. Nathaniel was obviously a good person, a good-hearted person, but when he first heard about Jesus from Andrew, he said, can anything good come out of Galilee? It was like this saying that they had back then, as if the Saviour could come out of Galilee, a horrible little town. Nothing good could come out of there, but he took the time to go and see who Jesus was. But what impressed me, as he walked towards Jesus, Jesus said, behold, this is a man of Israel, a person in whom there is no guile, another translation says a person of integrity. Can you just imagine that? That you walked up to Jesus today, what, what an amazing thing to hear from Jesus, isn't that just amazing? Like could you imagine anything else being worth more than that it wasn't like Jesus said hey behold here's a good looking guy 
Oh, behold, here's a man who owns a thousand houses. Here's a man who's funny. Oh, here's a man who's dressed well. Jesus looked straight through into the heart of Nathan as he came up, and Nathaniel as he came up, and he said, Guys, see this guy walking towards me? That's a man of integrity. What a beautiful thing for the Saviour to see in a person walking towards him, don't you think? Don't you think that's something that we should be aspiring to as Christians, that, that when God looks at us, he's going, you know, they might not have everything in this world, they might struggle a bit, they might, you know, have some troubles, they might, whatever it might be in your life. But I'll tell you what, that's a person of integrity. That's someone who hasn't bowed their knee to the ways of the world, that, that hasn't gone away from the things of God and walked into another place. That's a person, when I look upon them, I know that they're reading my word and they're doing my word, more importantly. They're, they're a person who doesn't just talk about God and the mysteries of God, but they actually live out the love of God. They, they don't just talk about how God has forgiven them, but they're actually repentant of their sin. That when they sin, when they're, they're doing something against me, their heart actually breaks and aches and wants to get things right. You know, David was, King David was one of those people that sought this integrity in his life. He fell short, unfortunately, many times or a few times, but overall his life was lived in integrity. Someone who God would look at the heart and say, that person is after me. Can you imagine that for you? What if, you know, our old little imagine Jesus walked in this place and, and looked at us and we came up to Jesus to meet him because we would want to, wouldn't we? I'd, I'd love to meet Jesus face to face. We will. You know, we're going to heaven. We're going to be with him forever. But, you know, those days when he was walking on earth, but what if he just visited us today and, and what would be the compliment that you'd love to hear Jesus give you? I'd love him to look into my heart and see that it is pure, that there is righteousness in my heart, that I am a person of integrity. And when Jesus said those words about him, that word that he spoke um, in the language back then actually meant this, that there's no guile, there's no subtlety, there's no deceit. And in fact, it came from a word that meant decoy, an old word, it was sort of outdated, uh, an outdated word, but it meant decoy or a trick or a bait. Now, there's a lot of people who fish here. Did you know you can catch a fish on a bit of wood? You just dress it up right, make it look like a fish, swim like a fish, and a barramundi might just grab it. Or you can go out fishing for, um, for other fish out in the reefs and you just throw over this bit of metal... It's flashy, looks good, looks interesting, looks exciting, and the fish will bite it and get hooked. But there's a trick, there's a bait, there's something that's there to snag people. And I can't help but think how often in our world today that there are so many fake people. Now, hopefully that's not us. I fear that it is at times, that we're not who we're meant to be. 
But in our life, God is calling us to this sort of life. Don't pretend to be something that you're not. Are you just a lure Christian? You look like a Christian, you swim like a Christian, but you're actually not made of flesh. You're putting on a mask, you're you're tricking people, you're making it look like you're something that you're not. Is that the way that you are today? Let's hope not. But if you are, we need to work on it. And I have to be honest that I find it really, really weird that sometimes when, when you see people on TV, they talk about themselves as a brand. People that are in social media and they market themselves. Don't you think that's a little weird? Well, I do. <laughs> Maybe I'm just weird. But there seems to be a lot of this going on. I'm selling myself. In government, there's a lot of selling things. We've got to sell this. We've got to make it look like they're getting a good deal. But in reality, they're not. That goes on a lot, doesn't it, in life? We're used to a world of deceit and trickery where people aren't really what they seem so often that, that people are manipulators, that they're... They're trying to get something from you. It's like we're all salespeople. Can you buy what I'm giving you? Christians, we need to be different to that. Men and women of integrity. People who have a heart towards God that that have made a decision that they are going to do the best that they can to live the right way, but to also have the integrity to admit when you've lived wrong. So we're going to look at Psalm 101, which is, this is before David became king. And really, this is almost like a, a psalm that, that is saying, you know, when I'm king, this is what I want to put into action. And when you read through it, it is a perfect example for us to learn how to live a life of integrity. And to start at verse 1, and I'll just read each verse at a time and we'll talk about it. Verse 1, I will sing of your love and justice. Lord, I will praise you with songs. What's this got to do with integrity? The inner strength. The honesty that we have with ourselves and with other people. What's this got to do with me staying true to what I believe despite the possible consequences? that I'll just praise God. But David here is setting this up because unless we know God's love and his justice, we don't really understand who God is. You see, the justice of God, really, for us, we were all sinners, we deserved death, but God's love outweighed it. We start to understand that his love for us is so powerful that it even overcame the sin problem in our life. And without knowing that, our integrity is not really possible. We don't love the way that we should. Integrity requires love and justice in our life. There's a lot of people who want justice, but they don't want love. There's a lot of people who want love, but they don't want justice. But when we understand God, that 
Integrity has to have both those things. And here, it's like David's setting it up and he's saying, I'm going to make a decision here, God. First of all, I'm going to remember who you are. Now I'm going to tell you how I'm going to live. Verse 2. I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? I will leave a life of integrity in my own home. Can you see the heart here? The first of all is, have you made a resolution in your life? Like David's making here. I will be careful to live a blameless life. In other words, I'm making a decision today that I'm going to live the right way in life. But also there's this call upon God, will you come to help me? Because we have to understand that we're not always wise, we're not always perfect, and we need to pray for that as believers. God, will you come and help me? It doesn't matter what decision we make, unless we have God's strength, we can't do it. You see, and I think David's here showing us by what he's saying that the decisions you make, you need to involve God in them. Because there's times when your own strength will fail you and you need that power of God in your life. Thank you, God, that you provided Jesus that has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. We have the help of the Lord. And David's calling on him here. He's saying, when will you come to help me? I need this help. It's not a self-righteous help, um, uh, self-righteous holiness that he's after. It's saying, God, I understand who I am. I'm weak without you. But I'm going to choose to live a life of integrity. Have you ever sat down and thought that to yourself? For your goals for next year. When you're setting goals in the new year, as many people do, have you ever written down, I'm going to live a life of integrity this year? We should do that. We should reflect on those things. And remember that it starts in our own home. That's pretty important, isn't it? You know, no true saint should have a house full of strife, should have people that are fearful to be in their presence. Christians, your home should be a sanctuary just as the church is for your family. Free from strife, free from trouble, free from anger, free from violence, free from discouragement, free from judgment, filled with love, filled with patience, filled with kindness, filled with goodness, filled with the Word of God. People of integrity grab hold of the Word of God and they do it. And this is the whole thing about what I said before, that, that, that sometimes our Christian life can be like a lure. We're tricking people in the workplace. They look at us and we're really holy there. Oh, don't swear before me. I'm this holy Christian. I don't swear. I don't do this. I don't do that. You're, you're kind and considerate to the people at work. You get home and you rip into your spouse. You rip into your kids. You display none of the fruits of the Spirit at home. But you see, that's the thing. The people at home should be the most important people to you. 
If anyone can see the real you, it's those that live with you daily. And this is why that psalm is talking about it, that, guys, look at your own home first. If you want integrity, don't go and be Mr. Spiritual, Mr. You know, honest out in the workplace and lie to your wife. That's not integrity. That's a lure. I'm a good Christian. I'm a good Christian. But at home, are you a good Christian? I often think about that and, and how often we read the Word of God, you know, like, like the bit that says, be kind and tender-hearted, loving one another, forgiving one another. And we take that out into the world around us, yet at home we live that out, not at all. Like we're kind to the, the secretary, we're kind to the guy who delivers the groceries, we're kind to everyone but to our wife, our husband, our kids. We're bitter, we're angry, we're snarky, and we hold on to grudges. Integrity must be in place at home. It has to be. Verse 3. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. Guys, the eye is the gateway to the soul, the Bible says. Remember a song when I was young that said, be careful little eyes what you see. It's funny, like as I've got older, what I've noticed is that if I'm watching a TV show, it's affecting me more. I might dream about it more. If there's something in it that's not right, not good, not holy, not righteous, it can start to, to settle in my soul. And so people with integrity will make a decision that I'm going to be careful what I look at. I'm going to be careful what I let into my life. And I'm certainly not going to delight in it. I'm not even going to make place for it. And I'm certainly not going to endure it. I will refuse a decision of the heart and mind. I will refuse. What's put before you, I'm going to refuse it. Don't love people who are crooked. If you know people that are crooked, if you're integrity, don't you be that person. When we read this psalm, think about it for yourself. I will not be crooked. I'm going to deal honestly and fairly. That is a person of integrity. Verse 4. I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from every evil. So first of all, there's this, I won't look at it. But then it's making this conscious decision that I am not going to put myself in harm's way of evil. To be a person of integrity means that sometimes you just have to leave. When Timothy was being given some advice, he was told, flee from youthful lusts. In other words, there's times when your feet must just carry you away. There's times when you must turn off the TV. There's times when you must not be in a place. You know it's not the right place for you. Reject it. The ideas that are perverse, things that are against God, don't entertain them. Don't, don't start to think, yeah, I'm going to just allow that in. Don't tolerate it. Verse 5, I, I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbours. I will not endure conceit and pride. 
There are slanderers, there are gossips in the world. Proverbs says that where there's much talk, there's much sin. Make sure that you keep your lips pure. Guard your eyes. Guard your heart with your feet. Guard your lips. People of integrity don't go around disclosing secrets. People of integrity are honest when they deal with people. They don't try to manipulate those other people with their tongues. They don't try and take credit for something that they didn't do. They don't lie. Also, they don't have conceit and pride. In other words, you're not that great. Get rid of that out of your life. If you want to have integrity, you have to start to, to be the person that we were singing about in that song. More of you, less of me. More of you, God, less of me. And you'll often find that people that are proud are generally hard people because they're always right. They're always the best. They need to know everything. They need to control everything. But when Jesus came to power, what did he do? He gave up his life on the cross and God exalted him to a place of honour at the right hand of the Father. And he gave him authority over everything in heaven and on earth that at the name of Jesus, everything should bow. Humility. The allowing yourself to fall away, the pride. If you want integrity in your life, you have to be in that place. Number six. Verse six. I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. What's this mean? Do you know people who are unfaithful to God will generally be unfaithful to people? As much as you can, surround yourself with godly people. If you want to maintain integrity in your life, you must surround yourself with others that have strength. Those who are above reproach, they're the people you should choose to serve you. What does that mean? It means in your businesses. Look for people of integrity, not necessarily the smartest. Imagine if we could choose people that work for us, or back in these days it was the servants, that have a great spirituality, that have a love for God, faithful men that will serve you well, faithful women that will serve you well. We should be engaging faithful people in our businesses in our workplaces, in, in our life, to have faithful people around us. They're the people that we should be seeking out. Who should you have around your table at dinner time? Something that I've been thinking about, and I remember when I was young that, that sometimes we'd have missionaries come through or other people of God come through, working for God. Understand all Christians are, are people of God. It could even just be someone we knew who was seeking God so strongly. Can I just ask you a question who you're seeking to have around your table? 
Because this is the influence that came on my life when we sat down with people who were serving God. The talk was always about God, God's faithfulness, how wonderful God is, how he'd forgiven us of sins, how working for God is the best thing that you could ever do. And as a kid, I was listening into every single conversation. What are the conversations your kids are hearing? When you're talking with people around you, have you sought out people of faith, like-mindedness around, yes, God is good, or are you engaging with people who are dishonest in business practices that swear a lot? Now, I'm not saying we don't have people like that in our life. That would be unfair, because we want God to be everywhere. But wherever possible, what are you feeding your kids? Are you fellowshipping with Christians that hate church, that hate the pastor, that hate leadership, that hate other Christians, that all they ever talk about is negative? Everybody's bad, everyone's wrong, everybody's this, this, this and this. Going back to what we're speaking. Have you given place in your kid's life for people that will speak life into them? That's verse 7, we'll read that. I will not allow deceivers to, ser- deceivers to serve in my house and liars to stay in my presence. People of integrity do not allow that to continue around them. You know, God says about liars that they're not going to heaven. It's one of those things. And I understand that they're obnoxious enough here on earth. But people of integrity, what what does that say about us? We don't lie. We don't lie to ourselves. We don't lie to others. We don't try and gloss over the truth. Can you see that there? If we bring it back to ourselves again. I'm not going to be a deceiver. In other words, I'm going to say what I mean and mean what I say. I'm not going to be a liar. And in our lives, if we find ourselves in that place, we need to just say, I'm out. No more, no more. In the last verse, verse 8, my daily task will be ferret out the wicked and free the city of the Lord from their grip. interesting there that he talks about the city of the Lord that in your life I think you have to be a little bit ruthless personally you think you've got to be a bit ruthless sometimes and often we're not brought to this place of self-examination and I, and I get why we don't want to feel bad because in the past you've probably heard that you know if you've sinned God doesn't love you or he's going to punish you now or whatever it might be But God is about redeeming people. And we need to be relentless in our lives, don't we? Relentless. Ferreting out. I like that. If you've ever seen a ferret at work, they go into the bunny rabbit holes and chase them out. (laughs) They're hidden away underground and you, you chuck a ferret in. They catch rabbits, they'll flush them out and they'll catch them in traps. 
But there's this grip that sin can have on our life if we choose not to deal with the things that we need to deal with. Now, I understand God's forgiveness, believe me. He's forgiven me of everything. I thank Him for that. I feel so clean, so whole, so wonderful because of what God has done. But if I don't take time to look at my life and ask God, can you please show me where I'm falling short of you, we are doing ourselves a disservice because the freer we are, the freer we act, the freer we live, the less sin has a grip on us. All right? It's not about guilt and shame and all these sorts of things, but what in our life is God wanting to deal with? We have this tendency to, to hide the truth from ourselves, don't we? Or excuse things for ourselves. Yeah, but I had every right to be angry. They deserved it. (laughs) They deserved it. (laughs) We deserved a whole lot more. We were all short of God's glory. We all deserved to be cast out of his presence. Yet God's forgiveness came. His grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. Integrity. Opening up yourself to Jesus. See, integrity isn't just living the right way and holding course that way. Integrity is being honest and open to yourself, looking and going, what have I become? As I mentioned before, King David, he had some terrible times where he acted so not in integrity. But one thing that God said about him, he's after my heart. Because when he realized at those times, he threw himself at the mercy of God. He said, forgive me. You know what the problem is? It doesn't heal the pain that we cause someone else. But it can put us back on the right track for what he has for us. So imagine today, you go home. You have a think. Read through Psalm 101 again. Have have a think about your life. Who's in your life? What have I let in? Where have my eyes been opened to to, to let things in that are not of God? Where has my mouth transgressed? Where have I slandered someone else? Where have I told, told untruths? Or where have I taken credit for someone else? Or where have I talked someone else down so I can look better? Where have my lips travelled today? Where have my feet been? Have I been in places that I know God wouldn't want me to be without purpose? Have I let my feet wander off the path of righteousness into unrighteousness? Have I walked into the wrong place? Have my ears been open to the wrong things? Have I been listening to slander and gossip? Have I been listening to the lies of the enemy that tell me I'm worthless, that I'm no good, that God doesn't love me? Have my ears been listening to things that are pleasant and right for my soul so that when I'm asleep at night, the worship music, the song flows through me as I'm asleep, not another song that does not glorify and honour God?
You, you see, it's not about being perfect. We're all going to slip. We're all going to fall. We're all going to fail. We need God's help. We need his help. But what if Jesus walked in the door today and he looked at you? Wouldn't it be wonderful if God, Jesus, when you approached him, said, that's a person of integrity. That's an honour, isn't it? That's an honour. That's a person of integrity. Father, I just want to thank you for everything you've done. Lord, there is so much greatness in the forgiveness that you've given us through Jesus Christ. This morning, I just want to pray that you would just touch our hearts, Father God, again. Holy Spirit, fill us with your presence so that we can live for you. Lord, let our minds be fixed on Christ. As Shannon read out this morning, this new life we have in Jesus. We're not the old person, we're the new. And Father, I can't thank you enough and love you so much for what you've done in that space for us. Lord, I want to pray right now for forgiveness on us, Lord, where we've sinned, we've gone away from you, where we haven't listened to you or followed you with our whole heart. Lord, our thoughts, our words, our deeds, where have we missed it? Father, forgive us for those wrongs today in the name of Jesus. We just open up our hearts to receive your lavish love this morning. Now, it may be that you've never even asked Jesus into your life. In fact, you've been a, a decoy Christian. You come to church on a Sunday. You do the right things, but you've never actually entered into a relationship with Jesus and said, I'm going to follow you. I'm just going to pray this morning and give you the opportunity to pray with me and invite Jesus in. It's as simple as that. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Jesus is the Lord, that God raised him from the dead, that he died for your sin. If that's you this morning, you just pray with me and you talk to your friend you came with, the, the person you're with now, come and see me afterwards. Your family member, just say, you know what, I've been fake, but this morning I've received Jesus. I just want to let you know that so that you can walk with me. That's you. Let's pray now. Father, I want to thank you for Jesus, for the death on the cross, that I am now free because of him. Forgive me of my sin. From this day on, I just want to live for you. Come into my life right now. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want prayer for anything, please come up. We have the, the front open for prayer for anyone who wants it in any area. Maybe you are struggling with stuff in life and you just want, just like David says, when will you come to help me? Maybe this morning can be that time that you just get that strength from the Holy Spirit.